Welcome to Marketing Thought Leadership, the podcast that offers insightful discussions on thought-provoking marketing topics. Here's the host of our show, marketing consultant, speaker, author, and educator, and the president of Leverage 2 Market Associates, Linda Popke. Hi, this is Linda Popke, and welcome to our latest episode of Marketing Thought Leadership. I'm here today with Chuck Wall, who is the founder and CEO of Market Power Group, a business growth consultancy. Chuck teaches companies how to profit by engaging the power of their customers and conducts customer insight research for his clients. He's a serial entrepreneur, having started seven other enterprises across multiple industries, and he's an expert in understanding the unmet needs of customers, having interviewed and surveyed over 100,000 customers from coast to coast. That's a lot of customers. Chuck's book is Customer CEO, How to Profit from the Power of Your Customers, and it's based on his research work. Welcome, Chuck. Thanks, Linda. Great. Um, Glad that you're here. And and can you tell us to start with, what do you mean by the term customer CEO? What does that mean? Well, basically, I wanted to uh, been putting a book together and kind of a concept, teaching concept. I wanted to find a more modern way of saying customer is king. So rather than the cliche that we all know and hate so much, I thought customer CEO is maybe a, a little more interesting way to say it because today's typical customer, whether they're a B2B customer or, or a B2C, really, if you think about it, has similar goals to what most corporate CEOs do because they want to maximize their own shareholder value um, in, in all things by getting the most value in any relationship or transaction. And then secondly, many of them want to build longer lasting relationships with brands that they're doing business with. Um, not always the case, but in many cases, that's what's transforming um, business today. How we serve those customers uh, over the long term is what really makes a difference. So customer CEO is just a nice way to say that they're, they're in charge and uh, if you don't acknowledge it, you, uh, you're kidding yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And, and too many companies, I think, are, are not aware of the fact that the customer is, char- is in charge. So can you give us some examples of how companies misunderstand their customers? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think so many companies, um, of, really of all sizes and of all stages, tend very often to um, rely upon outdated information or, frankly, their egos because, after all, they had it all figured out. Technology is an example. Uh, so many founders um, believe that they've got the, the secret sauce, and, in fact, they, they may well do that. However, it's not necessarily proven until you can build a sustainable enterprise with, with customers. Um, another thing we see today is that too many companies, I believe, are so reliant upon what big data can bring them that they've really lost focus on listening. So, for, for instance, think about how far off the mark McDonald's has become today. Oh, yeah. Um, right? So <laughs> people, the, the truth is it doesn't really matter what the data, what the data show. It, it gets back to the idea that if people stop eating at your restaurant on a consistent basis, you're not meeting needs that are significantly there. Um, another example, um, I'm from Texas, so you may be familiar with the 
recent bankruptcy filing of Radio Shack. Right. Um, you know, in their case, they continued to push long-term phone contracts while it's very clear that today's customers are trying to move in a completely different direction. Now, would that have saved the company if they had done something differently? Don't know that, certainly. But, you know, if you, <laughs> if you decide, no, our feet are in concrete, the tide doesn't really move us, you're probably going to pay the price for that um, sooner rather than later. You know, um, I, I love up. what you're talking about with, with big data because, uh, and I mentioned this in my in my new book, Marketing Above the Noise, as well, that it's one thing to have big data, but all that gives you is, is data analyzed. If you don't have the right insights and you aren't listening to your customers, then all that data does is, is just kind of add to the noise and the confusion. So I think you're absolutely right. When you stop listening, then you stop hearing those insights about what's really going on. Well, I'll give you a good example. I was with a, um, a large uh, Fortune 100 company a few weeks ago, and these were the top marketing um, folks from really across North America in several different business units. And we got on this discussion for quite a long while in a workshop, which was simply what role is big data playing in your life? And, you know, at first everyone's paying lip service to the fact of how great it is today that we can know everything that's ever gone on in someone's life. <laughs> but the reality was, once we kind of stripped that away, was that no one any longer has the time to truly evaluate. So and as you're basically getting to interpret what all this means. Right. So what's the, what's the point of having it? If uh, you know it just becomes another <laughs> another uh, bucket to have to to deal with, um, and it can be distracting. It can send you in the wrong direction, uh, which would be even worse. That, that absolutely, that was the consensus of the room, which was we we can't get our core work done in marketing around you know around what we're doing. In fact, all we're doing we're reacting to data telling us that we need you know, this offer, that offer, whatever, and we never leave it in place long enough to evaluate did, in fact, you know, it did, it did work. So I think that, um, you know, it's we, we tend, uh, with technology particularly, we tend to say, well, just because we can do it, we should do it, and, in fact, uh, that's not necessarily true. I think you're absolutely right. So tell me, in, in your book, you write about the nine powers of the customer CEO. What are those nine powers? Well, talking to so many people, in fact, um, as soon as we uh, finish our uh, conversation today, I've got to go talk to some people this evening. Um, and when you talk to as many different types of customers, again, across B2C and B2B companies, of all different types, I sat down a, a couple of years ago to try to figure out, is there any pattern to what I'm, I'm seeing here? And in fact, uh, I, shocked, I was shocked when I found that there were nine patterns, um, you know, some a little more than others, but essentially uh, there were elements that people have to have today that um, they really are requiring for many business they, uh, they want to transact with. So I ended up calling those powers, and they're really very simple ways to think about this, but the things like what I call the power of me and the power of value, the power of performance, uh, 
the power of yes and the power of simple and so forth. And there's actually, we found nine different uh, aspects of this relationship that really people are expecting. Um, and when you begin to look at brands that really kind of intuitively or purposefully understand this, they're the ones who are really transcending their industries like never before. So I, um, uh, th- that's what we wrote about. In the book itself, we, we tried to find three or four really great examples uh, for each of the powers. So uh, as an example, we, we rather than talk about uh, – everyone loves to, of course, write and talk about Apple. We wanted to take a different look at Apple and try to understand um, why are they as, su- as successful as they are. And so contrary to popular belief, Apple – you know, it was always the mystique has been that they don't do customer research. Hmm. But in fact, that's what the Apple stores are. Right, um, sure. In the, in, the, in the Samsung lawsuit, in fact, there was testimony about the amount of uh, customer research that continually do. Um, well, that helped teach them that a, a store uh, employee was much more powerful in a, in a relationship when they're standing side by side with the customer, as opposed to the typical withstand over the uh, the counter uh, kind of situation, so literally solving problems together, and that became really the entire mantra for how they they uh, they do business. Um, so uh, another great example that we found through the research is a, a regional brand out of uh, Phoenix, Arizona, called Discount Tire. And Discount Tire took the simple proposition, gosh, 32 years ago or whatever year they started, um, that they wanted to always say yes to to customers. Mm-hmm. So they began they began the policy that no matter uh, whether you'd ever bought a tire from them, they would repair your flat for free, no questions asked, and with no expectations that you'd ever come back. Um, that is equal to about 35 or $40 million a year that they leave on the table in terms of you know, that they get charged for fixing flat tires. But, of course, what it really is, it's the, it's the lowest cost customer acquisition amount probably ever ever spent. So they, they fix about 6,000 flat tires for free every day now in their system. And um, so, again, power of yes and how, how people uh, respond so positively to that. That's excellent. That, that's really important to know. So uh, using these nine powers um, obviously makes a lot of sense, and, and best companies who really understand and focus on customers do that. But can you tell us just quickly, how can a company better understand their own customers? What are just one or two things that they can do, just any company out there, to get started on the right track? Well, it's almost too simple to even say, right? Um, it, it literally starts – with an attitude of humility mm. um, that's not taught in MBA programs, right? I mean, there is no humility 101 uh, in business school. That's true. Um, right? Because that's, that's, that's critical to this because in a competitive um, environment like we live in today with, you know, upstarts literally changing uh, the world of commerce as we, we know it, um, you, you have to start with that attitude. So that's the first thing. The second thing is what I ended up writing about was this idea of what I called customer thinking. And it's kind of based upon design thinking that, you know, we know so much in 
in terms of innovation. Um, but customer thinking in my parlance was it's, it's combining both the quantitative data available that we can get our hands on, but with a big dose of continuous qualitative research. So the way I like to explain it to companies is it's like taking the pulse, right? When you go yep. to your doctor, the doctor always takes your pulse to see how have things progressed, how, you know, how are you doing today? If the continuous is the key fact, uh, key point of that. So whether it's surveys or whether it's face-to-face, whether it's uh, focus groups or one-on-one interviews or um, what I even write about in the book was this idea of the club group, um, which I learned about first by studying Procter & Gamble, where instead of, you know, a uh, one night of two focus groups, um, literally they're putting together groups that stay together for a year and meet together and become almost uh, almost like a social group to some degree with the company having interaction during the year but really trying to understand and observe how people do things. Um, one company we discovered that had completely transformed itself in the U.S. market was Hyundai. Um, starting in 2006, they began to make a major uh, turnaround with uh, by really using a type of research that's an immersion process where they, they literally brought designers and engineers from Korea over to spend, you know, weeks driving around in the backseats of cars with, uh, with women that they were wanting to understand how they, in fact, were using uh, these crossover uh, vehicles. Um, the first one they did was the Santa Fe, and it it, it really changed their entire uh, method of coming to market because if, if the customer didn't truly value all this you know, quote-unquote innovation that they were building in, then it was of no use. So these people for the first time were seeing, you know, up close and personal how people used cup holders, for instance, and they were able to to, to change that. So it's really coming up with a program that's appropriate for the industry and the size of the company. And you can do that in very simple, inexpensive ways. You don't have to commit, you know, 50% of your annual revenue to, uh, to market research. That's important. That's great. So uh, just, and, and we could go on about this for, for hours because I love talking <laughs> about customers and we wouldn't be here without customers, even though there are some industries where it feels like um, they, they just tolerate us, right? They don't really want us around. Right. But what is the future going to look like between companies and their customers? We've seen technology. We've seen kind of this whole move towards chief customer officers and customer research. What do you see coming down the pike for how are things going to evolve between companies and their customers? Yeah, I think that's exactly as you've brought up. That would be a key thing is the the real specific uh, involvement in the C-suite. to really elevate this idea, um, in fact, uh, Amazon for years has talked about the empty chair in the room, right. which is to represent the customer, right? So, uh, when we think about every company, it really, it really has to be that 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 important. So, I think um, empowering executives to be able to say, we can't get lost in a silo. We have to figure out what's really moving the needle. Uh, now, it has to be back with a strong business case, obviously, and I think that's that's important. It's not just a question of spending more money on some initiative. You've got to pilot it and optimize it and figure out, is this really going to work 
um, for our brand. But I think also in this idea of, of listening posts, I was intrigued as I, I began to study more and more companies and how they were really using um, social media to their benefit. And one company that I just have been extraordinarily impressed with is, uh, is JetBlue mm. because they have created a, a real living, breathing um, organism, so to speak, inside of their own uh, social media group. Um, that I believe they're out of Salt Lake City. And, you know, their goal is to create relationships with real people. And that's what they do. In fact, I've tested this several times myself, and it's, it's fascinating. Um, they use humor no matter what the situation is, you know, good or bad. They, they're very empathetic, very responsive, very timely. And obviously the only way they can do that is by listening constantly. Well, you begin to build enough of that uh, data uh, out there, you begin to clearly see patterns of behavior um, and hopefully uh, predictive so you can begin to make some changes in your, your day-to-day operations to prevent that problem from happening you know, tomorrow. I think in the hospitality industry particularly, I, I would include airlines in that, um, you know, obviously the Well, I'm, I'm not sure. <laughs> they would include themselves well, as being well, hospitable. That's, that's, that's a good point. But let's just say, let's say in a perfect world, right? Um, but in terms of being able, it, it's unpredictable what will happen tomorrow because of the weather. And so, you know, given with that caveat, there are so many things that you can predict, and but you can really only do that if you're listening. That's that's important. I think that's the key message. We need to do a better job of listening to our customer CEOs. We've been chatting with Chuck Wall. He's the founder and CEO of Market Power Group, and he is the author of Customer CEO, How to Profit from the Power of Your Customers. Thank you, Chuck, for being with us. My, my pleasure so much. Good to talk to you. Great. This is Linda Popke. Until next time, thank you for listening to Marketing Thought Leadership. We hope you enjoyed this edition of Marketing Thought Leadership. Brought to you by Leverage 2 Market Associates. If you'd like to find out how powerful marketing results can transform your organization, contact us at www.leverage2market.com.